Happy Sunday. It's uh, PFG Live for Sunday, the 17th of September, 2023. Welcome aboard. I'm Spencer Webb, and you're not. So uh, today we have some great topics, and we welcome you. Uh, good morning, Blake. How are you? Um, just to remind you, Blake, you got to check in with weather and location. That's just the way it is. So here in uh, southern New Hampshire in the town of Windham, uh, we're going to report the Manchester weather, which is uh, winds 300 at 7 knots, visibility 10 miles, few clouds at 25,000 feet, temperature 24, dew point 11. Altimeter 2987. Carl is here from the Rhode Island. 75 degrees and clear and sunny in the People's Republic of Rhode Island. And the dew point is down to 51. <laughs> Praise the weather deities. Right? It's gorgeous here today. Almost is here. Welcome aboard, sir. Sunny and 94 in the Phoenix Valley. Blake is experiencing 71 Fahrenheit, 55 relative humidity in Rochester, New York. Home of... Kodak, Xerox, and other things. New York Machinist is with us, reporting seven zero degrees and cloudy in the Finger Lakes. Not to uh, not to forget Warren Jones from the Sutton, New Hampshire, my neighbor to the north. Hot and sunny. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, let's see. Wes is here. Sunny and seventy six in South Central Idaho. Welcome, guys. Well, uh, it's been a week. It's been pretty interesting. I'm going to take this off for the moment so I could hear what I'm doing. We were just experimenting with our Discord server, and that is working out really well. We may be able to have a Discord uh, check-in on video and audio. So, uh, <laughs> almost says water freezes at 72. Uh, not quite, buddy. Uh, we are fully stocked on heating fuel and we're doing good. It's severe clear, which means we're getting solar energy made and, uh, we're charging up the electric vehicle. It's all good. So we have, um, we have a pretty exciting day today. A lot of little nerdy things happened, which I'm going to report on. Um, but I'll remind you that if you're not subscribed to, to the channel, to the YouTube channel, please do so. Do you know that about, about a half of the viewers are not subscribed? You should subscribe. Robert Simpson is checking in 74.11 Fahrenheit, 52.65 relative humidity, according to a Censorian <laughs> near Detroit. Excellent, sir. We're going to be talking about your Censorian today. Uh, and we have learned some very interesting things. Tux Garage is here, cloudy and 71 degrees in Buffalo, New York. How many kilowatts am I producing? Oh, you know what? You're brilliant, Carl. I think one of our windows on the screen should be my current production, but I will give you a report. Please stand by. My Solar Edge reports current production is... Wait for it, 9.8 kilowatts right now. And it's actually showing, yeah, it's showing past peak. So we peaked at, um, 
we peaked at 11 kilowatts, which is basically our, our system capacity. And we're doing good. And just for uh, reference, three days ago, uh, we had, that was Thursday, we produced 64.7 kilowatt hours. Hey, Paul Morley's here, uh, 88 in the Dallas. At least it's not 100. Yes. <laughs> we should probably start just having people call in with their dew points. Like, we don't care about anything else. Just tell us a dew point. Uh, Western New York is represented well today. Absolutely. A little, uh, yeah, almost says a little over four gigawatts. By the way, it's gigawatts. I don't care what the movie says. Uh, that's excellent. Yeah, we generate about um, one megawatt hour per month. That's our production here. And I use every bit of it. In fact, we ship some of those out in PFG Stones, which brings a good, up a good point. PFGstones.com is the sponsor of this podcast, video cast, some, some sort of cast. Um, <clears throat> so today, uh, on the agenda, we have a couple of interesting things. Um, we learned some things about the Sensorian sensor, uh, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, a fall outage is coming. So that gets cut by a third. What do you mean an outage? Uh, you are going to reduce your solar production is that what you're doing so um we're going to talk about the sensorian today which is the little um the little temperature humidity sensor we've been playing with there's one that's running right now and we learned some secrets about it which is super cool as far as making accurate measurements um we're also going to talk about, about my foray into software, not my first rodeo, but, uh, it's been very interesting in trying to write a little software to read that sensor and do something useful for it. And then toward the end of the show, I may be asking for your help in doing a little bit of micro welding and I'll show you what we're doing here. But, uh, I have a, a little project that's been literally hanging over my head and I need to figure out how to get it done. And I could use some input, especially from people who have the, uh, uh, who have the skills, the mad skills. So, um, CJ Stevens has shown up. Hey, welcome aboard, sir. 76 and beautiful in East Tennessee. Going to get some, some shop time. Welcome. Nice to see you. Well, everybody seems to be enjoying good weather. I have to confess, I did not look at the national weather map, but we, uh, we skirted a hurricane, which went by the East coast, um, yesterday. And we got basically nothing. We got a little bit of rain and that was it. One of the things I've noticed both from just living in the Northeast and my, my aviation experience is that when we get a hurricane, the weather typically before and after the hurricane is like this. It's severe, clear, and, and gorgeous. And that's because all the energy, all the local energy is tied up in the hurricane. That's, that's how I think about it. And it looks fantastic. 
Uh, it's skirted. Did you get much rain, Carl? Carl's down in Rhode Island, uh, south southeast of me. Um, my sister, who lives near you, was up uh, visiting my mom with me yesterday. Interesting. So Blake says, depending on the size of the material, a well-equipped jeweler may be able to do some laser welding for me. Well, I know. I thought about laser welding and such, but I kind of want to do it here. I'll do that as a last resort if somebody pokes up and says, hey, I can do it. It's got some interesting problems associated with it. So we'll, we'll talk. Machine New Zealand is here. Good morning. 14C and cloudy. Well, it's starting to get a little chilly. <laughs> nice to hear from you, bud. Um, cool. Well, let's just dive into it. If you guys have questions or comments, put it in the chat. We have two chats going. One is the YouTube live chat and one is our kinetic precision discord chat, which we have a few people uh, hanging around in. So, uh, as you know, we've been playing with relative humidity measurements and that was born from the need to, uh, monitor humidity in our 3d printer, uh, in our 3d filament storage and, uh, and use, uh, it is an absolute fact that the water content of the filament is going to have an impact on the quality of the parts and the quality of the printing experience. So one of the things I learned long ago is that you have to dry your filament. And it's, it's a grossly underserved um, maintenance requirement. And that got us started on measuring the relative humidity and then we went down the path of, well, how do you, how do you measure the relative humidity? And some number of months ago, we got attracted to these $3 hygrometers that were for sale on, um, on Amazon. It was like 16 bucks, 15 bucks for five of them, something like that. And it was attractive because it, for cheap dollars, you were able to get a relative humidity measurement. So we, we started playing with that and, and using it everywhere. Pretty soon we figured out there were some issues. Now my friend, Doug, I wish he was here. Um, Doug's done a deep, deep dive on, on these sensors and the whole issue of making these measurements and the work he did kind of showed, it kind of proved the pretty horrible, um, uh, behavior accuracy, repeatability, linearity of these $3 hygrometers. Uh, CJ Stevens says, same with powder. He's been taking notes to upgrade the humidity monitor on his powder coating storage cabinet. Excellent. Yeah, there's going to be many applications for this. Now, the thing that makes our application different than some other applications, like for example, somebody told me that these $3 hygrometers were being used in uh, humidors for storing cigars and such, if, which I have nothing to do with. Uh, and that wants to be around 50% relative humidity. And then Doug reports that these $3 hygrometers are pretty okay around 50% relative humidity. Well, we care about low humidities. 
and we quickly found out that the uh, $3 hygrometers just simply stop reporting at 10% besides the fact that they're wrong. So, so definitely not the sensor for the job. Then we discovered the Sensorian board. Now I have the, I stock some of these Sensorian boards. Hey, Unix is here. Welcome aboard, sir. Um, yeah, stick around. We may have some live input from uh, Unix Carbide. Um, so I stock the Sensorian boards, some cases that I designed and, and, and printed, and some brackets that I designed and printed. They're all in stock, ready to order. I upgraded the store to include the bracket. I think, I think it's $47 gets you the board, the case, the bracket, um, ready to go. So th that was great. And the Sensorian board proved out to be excellent, literally down to zero. It's specced down to uh, 10% relative humidity, but it continues reading uh, perfectly happily down to 0% relative humidity. That is more like it for the kind of stuff that we want. So Tuck says, he loves his $3 hygrometer for his humidor. Hey, right tool for the job, right? So the Sensorian boards, uh, or I should say the Sensorian sensors became very, very interesting. And the performance is just phenomenal. So that was the first step. Uh, we started using the Sensorian board. So now my current setup is I have a Sensorian board case bracket everything I just told you that's available in the store. Um, <laughs> Unix Carbide is unfortunately reporting a human temperature of 99.1. I'm sorry, bud. Please take care of yourself. Um, I hope that wasn't from traveling, but it was probably from traveling. Um, so the the Sensorian board I have is in each of my AMSs, the the uh, uh, filament changer on top of the bamboo printer, and it's been really instructive. Now that we have believable, accurate, trustable measurements inside uh, those things, to watch how it behaves. So I had one pop up, you know, to about thirty percent relative humidity, and I could see stringiness in my printing. So it's sort of a, 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 a hint that says you need to address this. And when we change out the, the desiccants in my new desiccant holders, which go in the center of the spool, which by the way, are not yet up on the store, but, but the, uh, the STL for them is available on the links page, pfg.gg slash links. Um, so that's been a really good experience. And then I got an idea that I wanted to now start using the Sensorian sensor in a more controlled fashion and get it up on the network so I can see the data. So I told you recently about the Adafruit cloud-based sensor um, project called, um, uh, I guess the software is called Whippersnapper. And the uh, io.adafruit, I think, is the name of the, of the cloud server. And that works great. 
you get one of these little feathers. I'm going to show it to you on the screen. This is this is a um, this is a ESP32-S3 reverse TFT feather, which means it has the little uh, screen, the TFT screen on the back side of the board. Uh, this is the new uh, stand that I 3D printed for it. Again, this is if it's not available on the links page, I can't remember if I put it up. I will put it up. And I started uh, getting uh, the Sensorian data from it, which leads us, which brings you up to date. Um, oh, uh, Unix Carbide says it's not him. It's the other family members. School starting again. Yeah, we got to be, <laughs> got to be careful. Um, although a brief note on the whole COVID thing, where my mom lives, they had, a surge, right? So they had, I forget what the numbers were, some 19, 20, 25 cases suddenly. And one week later, they had one case, which tells you the story about how, you know, all the immunization and all the uh, education seems to work pretty good. So that was good to hear. Anyway, getting back to it. So that brings you up to date. And we're getting like really good data from these Sensorian sensors. We're reading it with a, uh, a feather board. That went well until I said, you know what? I want to write my own software <laughs> and start pushing stuff to the cloud the way I want to do it. So let me show you, I'm going to, I'm going to turn on a little display here and uh, show you the output of this little board live. So if you're, if you're listening on the podcast, um, I am using a editor called, uh, Mew, M-U, which is what Adafruit recommends. I got to find my, uh, I got to find my screen here. Hang on a second. Where'd it go? Sorry, it's right here. Duh. Okay, so if you're watching on screen, you see a bunch of code now. And on the very bottom of that code screen, you'll see the output and it's changing. So this is exactly what's coming out on the little screen on the feather. And it reads, current mode is no heater, comma, high precision, temperature 77.5 F, relative humidity 48.9%. So this is the conditions literally on my desk. And if I shove this out the window, we'd get that information. But if you look at the code, and, and this code started with Adafruit, and you suck it into this editor, this is like the simplest thing in the world, right? You have this feather plugged into a USB connection because there's a USB-C on the board. You bring up Mu, and literally you just drag... Um, or you import the code, or I forget how you do it, but basically, as soon as you do that, it pushes it onto the feather and starts running it. And they gave you a, a sample sample code for the SHT44X. In my case, it's a 45, which is the high precision one. And it just starts working. 
So that was a great first step. And then I said, I don't want my readings in Celsius. I want them in Fahrenheit. So I went into the code and I made a little uh, modification. So if you look in the middle here or, or under the last uh, loop, you'll see there's a little math in here, which I put in. So instead of printing the temperature in C, which is native to the part, I do a little calculation. I print it out in F and that's what's happening. Now, Tuck says, why do you want a heater on the Sensirian? Excellent question. So in the comments, I noticed something about a heater. And I said, what is that about? Okay. And without getting into serious uh, code analysis here, it's in the middle here is this, it says sht.mode equals Adafruit sht4x dot mode dot no heat underscore high precision. In other words, <clears throat> there's a mode of this device, which is no heat, high precision. Well, <clears throat> at that point, I decided I had to do the deep dive and figure out what that meant. This is not trivial. Um, I started with the device data sheets. So I, I found and uh, printed out the device data sheets from the manufacturer. And Here's the here's the uh, the data sheets from Sensirian. It's, it looks like every other data sheet you've ever gotten for an electronic component. And what I realized is this thing, this thing talks I squared C, which is a little bus protocol. Uh, Daniel, I got your question. Um, Daniel asks CJ, can you please expand how humidity is influencing your powder coating? I did some coding at work and I'm curious. I know about clumping, but is there anything else? So this is excellent. Uh, it looks like you guys are going to start a conversation about powder coating and humidity. And I think that's great. So in the data sheet from Sensirian, they give, they give you some, some pseudo code, right? And they give you how to hook up the device to your computer. Um, but very interestingly, I'm, I'm even going past the, um, the uh, accuracy specifications and the electrical specifications, which is interesting, but I want to show you something. Here it is. There's a list of the commands you can give the device, okay? And amongst the commands, you can read, you could read with high precision, high repeatability, medium precision, medium repeatability, low precision, low repeatability. I assume that has to do with how fast you can read it but then down here there's activate the heater with 200 milliwatts for one second activate it for 100 milliseconds so i'm like what is this heater about so what i want to do is first explain to you why sensorian put a heater on the chip and why you're going to want your three dollars back <laughs> after I explain this to you. So let's do a little, we're going to do a little thought experiment here. And I think it's going to really explain what's going on. So let's do a thought experiment. Let's say that you, you open up a package and you pull out a, a silica gel or a desiccant package. This is, this is a desiccant package. I think this is one of the ones that came in my bamboo printer. And you took this, um, a desiccant package and you put it on a very 
high resolution scale. Okay, and you turn that scale on, which of course, because I'm waving it around, is going to be terrible. Let's just reset that. Okay, and you measure the weight of the desiccant pack. So you have a scale, you have a desiccant pack, and you're measuring the weight of the desiccant pack. And that's it. Now let's say it gets humid. What happens next? Yes, uh, Unix Carbide asks, do you have to hold the scale with your hand in this experiment? You not only have to hold it with your hand, but you have to be, um, you have to hold the other hand up and you have to do this for six hours. You'll be fine. So I think we'll all agree that if we wait long enough, he's taking notes. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to copy your notes. If we, if we wait a while, I think you'll agree with me that the desiccant pack is going to absorb moisture from the air. And in doing so, it's going to get heavier because it has now the water molecules inside of it. And we're going to be able to measure that. Furthermore, if we then take a, get on a jet, I have a jet waiting at Manchester airport. It's a citation. And if we fly to almost machining where it's, uh, it's going to be pretty warm and very dry and we wait, we're going to see our desiccant pack get lighter because now the water molecules are eventually going to say, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. And they're going to get out of the desiccant pack. And that both of those statements are true. Um, so can we build a humidity sensor out of a desiccant pack and a scale? And the answer is yes. It's going to be very slow. Okay. But that's going to work. So there's a problem. And the problem is if you come along with some contaminants, such as a volatile organic compound, also known as acetone, alcohol, you know, pick your, pick your, uh, solvent. That solvent can get into the desiccant and prevent water from getting into the desiccant. So this is, this is what's going on in the sensorian. Um, and they give us a picture and I'm going to show you the picture. This is an application note that I found for the Sensirian. Okay. Sometimes manufacturers give application notes numbers, but this one doesn't have a number. It's called using the integrated heater of SHT4X for heat assisted polymer decontamination. So to, in order to understand what that means, we have to understand how they build the Sensirian sensor. First of all, first of all, the Sensirian sensor is small. The sensor itself is maybe four by four millimeters or three by three millimeters. Let's see. Um, yeah, golly, it's probably a two by two millimeter package. And there's a hole in the middle giving access to the actual sensor, which, which is part of the chip, part of the semiconductor. So if you, if you're, um, 
playing with, with us on video here, there's a picture from the data sheet. And it shows that there's uh, electrodes in the base of the chip or in the top surface of the chip. And they coat it with a polymer. The polymer, we could think of it as having holes for water molecules. And if there's a lot of those holes filled up with water molecules, uh, then that's because there's high humidity. And if there's few of those filled up with water molecules, that means there's low humidity. And by measuring the capacitance between the wires that the polymer is sitting on, we actually can measure that because air has a relative dielectric of one and water has a relative dielectric constant of 80. So we have a pretty sensitive um, way of measuring how much water is in the polymer. Um, so Carl is hot on the trail, but that he's cheating. <laughs> so that works really well. And water enters and leaves the polymer in the sensorian sensor. And it's very tiny, which means it, it can react quickly. Okay. So if we go back and look at the output of my sensor, let's go take a look at it. Okay. So it says, uh, 49.1%. And I'm just going to breathe on it. All right. The next reading says 72.7%. That's pretty quick. And now it says 89.2%. So we're taking readings every five seconds and we'll find out that in less than a minute, it's going to turn around. It's already turned around and it's heading back to, um, to the room relative humidity. And if we give it one more reading, it's pretty much back to where it was. So it works quickly and that's how it works. Okay. It works because the, um, the water molecules are fitting into holes inside the polymer or they're leaving the holes inside the polymer. And if you, Carl, if you'll allow it, that's an oversimplification, but it works. Okay. What's the problem? The problem is, is that you could have contaminants getting in the holes that are not water and they don't want to leave. So let me say that again. You can get contaminants in the polymer, in the holes of the polymer that don't want to leave. So what that tends to do is it tends to make the sensor lose sensitivity to the thing you're trying to measure which is relative humidity of water molecules. Um, and it will tend to cause it to read low in value than it really is. Just keep that thought. Okay. Because that has a lot to do with going back to our $3 hygrometer. So the way you solve that problem is you heat it up and you drive out the contaminants and then you turn off your heater and then you're back to normal. So the reason Sensorian includes a heater in the sensor is so that you can reset the sensor by driving out the contaminants. It's like, it's like a cleaning cycle. Now, I thought this was great. So we did some experiments and uh, I won't bore you with those experiments live, but uh, if you look at the code, we 
uncom I, I put in other modes of measurements for the chip, including uh, low heat 100 milliseconds and high heat one second. And these are ways to force the, the chip to, uh, to take those measurements. Let's do a quick experiment. I'll just show you how this works. So right now, sitting here on my desk, it's reading 49.3% relative humidity. I'm going to switch this thing into a low heat mode. And I'm going to do this live. Of course, I'm going to do it live in the wrong place. I'm going to do this live. I'm going to comment out um, the normal line of code. And I'm going to uncomment the line of code that says it's going to use 100 millisecond now watch the screen. It's 49% relative humidity and 77% temperature, uh, 77 degrees temperature. Click is reloading the code. And now every time it takes a measurement, it will have done a 100 millisecond heat pulse. Okay. So now you'll see the temperature jumped up artificially. And the relative humidity is a teeny bit higher, but it's about right. So this is an attempt to keep the sensor dry while you're taking measurements uh, by turning on the heater for 100 milliseconds before the measurement. Now watch what happens. I'm going to comment that one out and I'm going to switch to a different mode where we're going to turn on the heater for a full second. That's high heat and watch what the numbers do. Click, reload the code, high heat. Okay, now it's reporting 168 degrees F. I promise you it's not that warm in my office. And it's reporting a relative humidity of 17%. So, no, we did not just travel to Arizona. Hey, speaking of which, K-Bonk just checked in. 80 degrees, mostly cloudy in the Philadelphia. Welcome, sir. So this is sort of a major cleaning process and we've now really baked the sensor uh, and we're going to take that out. Okay. And I'm going to switch back to our normal, no heat mode. Now watch what happens. All right. So now it's the sensor is going to cool off and things are going to get back to normal. Okay. So now it's 83 degrees, 81 degrees. The sensor's cooling back off. So we just, we just did a clean out cycle of the polymer on the sensor and it will slowly get back. It's almost back to normal, not quite. And it will start reading relative humidity again. Now, if you observe the numbers over a long period of time, you'll realize that it wasn't too contaminated because it's kind of back to where it was. And that's good because I don't have any volatile organic compounds kicking around the office. But isn't that interesting? And if you get the Sensorian eval board, I don't believe they're doing any of this. And one of the reasons I don't think they're doing any of this is because the eval board runs on a battery. And we just used a fair amount of power to do that. So, Tuck, uh, I missed your comment before. The sensor is burning off contaminants. Essentially, yes. Um <laughs> so, uh, am I now switching to uh, a 70% IPA in my shop? Maybe the beer, but not the alcohol. Um, precisely and precise says, would some of the fumes from printing something like ABS follow the sensor then? Uh, 
very possibly, and this is interesting, okay? Tuck, uh, Tuck and I used to play guitar for volatile organic compounds back in the 80s. Those were good times. <laughs> Thank you, Tuck. I appreciate that. So again, if we look at our code, um, the temperature is back to 78 degrees, 48% relative humidity. It's, it's still settling out. It's not quite back to where it was, but it's getting there. Paul says, so you think you'll run it continually with heating at some point at, at a very small amount. Okay, here is the most important thing I'm going to say to you about this topic. I don't know. I got to the point where we've identified the heater as a tool, and now I'm starting to formulate a process, if you're a, if, if you're a real software nerd, a heuristic for for getting uh for using the heater how do you use the heater so naturally like any engineer i went back to the application note and i said oh application note please teach me how to use the heater nothing zero no information <laughs> so sensorian basically says here's a heater here's three different commands to activate the heater here's what the heater does have a nice day. I'm totally okay with this because we can experiment and I have some ideas and I want to talk to you about those ideas, but isn't that cool? Okay. The other thing I learned is if you look really closely at the sensor, let me go back to the big screen so you can see this without squinting. Although if you were squinting, I wouldn't hold it against you. So if we look at the, at the sensor, you'll note that there's a little there's always a cutout around the sensor. They cut the board out. Um, and the same is true on the Sensorian eval board. Uh, the sensor is sitting on a piece of PC board with a, a moat uh, cut out all the way around it, almost, just enough to get the wires in. Well, it turns out that if you do read the data sheet and you do read the application note, um, it's to, it's to conserve heat when you turn the heater on. It's so that you don't have the heat running out. Uh, it's to increase the thermal resistivity to the rest of the circuit board. Carl says it sounds like the, the vendor doesn't know how to use the heater. I would say that the vendor is uh, uh, leaving it as an exercise to the student. Um, and I'm okay with that. And it is also possible that Sensirian has published something that I haven't found. So we'll, we'll figure it out. But let me describe to you kind of how I would approach it. Um, New York Machinist says, I made a humidity sensor in high school. It was a thin strip of spring steel a layer of insulation, a layer of graphite resistor, and a desiccant that would swell, warp the sensor, and change resistance. Thank you for bringing that up. Let's go back to our $3 hygrometers. When we examined the $3 hygrometers, I'm sorry, I don't have a photo ready. We've, we've shown the photo before. We found an interdigitated uh, conductive ink pattern on a piece of alumina, and if you looked really closely under the microscope, there was a coating of a clear something on it. And I believe it was probably some sort of polymer. 
and it was measuring resistance between the electrodes. Now, here's the problem. What, what means do they provide you to clear contaminants from that sensor? And the answer is, there are no means. The other problem is, because it was using resistance to make the measurement, it was really hard to measure low values because that's really high values of resistance, which means it's going to be a super noisy measurement in a cheap little circuit like that. So it started explaining to me why the $3 hygrometers were having trouble. They're, they're means for making the measurement, and they have no thought of how to clear any contamination. Um, yeah, so you guys are throwing out some ideas here. <laughs> Carl's, this is great. Carl says, as my advisor in grad school used to say, a couple of months in the lab can easily save you wasting an entire afternoon in the library. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Okay. So almost this is starting to get it. So you'll notice this little exercise we just did together. Um, we, we caused a bunch of, you know, we, we observed the humidity measurement change and then we, we banged it with the heater and then we waited for it to recover, which by the way, if you're looking at your screen, it has, it's 77.8 F 48.7% relative humidity, kind of like it was before, but we've just learned something. We learned that our sensor was not contaminated. So you do get feedback from, from executing the heating cycle that tells you whether or not you did anything. And if you don't do anything, you could use that information to put off doing it again for a while. Say, well, I'm in an environment where I'm not getting contaminated. That's very interesting. Um, Unix Carbide says, I'm thinking the Sensorian uh, became exasperated with support requests from the modern hothouse tomato growers scene. <laughs> I, I don't think it was tomatoes. Uh, you might be right, but uh, it's very, very interesting uh, how it works. So we have the tools, right? And this was the exciting thing about this is we got a great sensor and now there's a great little feature that we didn't know about before, which was the heater. And I think we've discerned how the heater should be used. And now the, you know, the world is our oyster. That's a big oyster. The world is our oyster. We can now write some code and do it, you know, figure out how we want to do it. That's neat. So uh, if you go to my website, the links, uh, if you go to the links page and you'll find a uh, link now called the, uh, what did we call it? The ultimate search for dry desic, uh, for dry filament, the qu the quest for dry filament. You click that page. That's a new page, by the way, I'm, I'm organizing this stuff. Go to the bottom. There's a bunch of reference links and there's a link to the Sensorian data sheet. There's a link to this application note. There's a link to, uh, GitHub site for the sensor. Uh, there's a link for the Adafruit page for the sensor. So all the tools are there and it's, it's really super interesting. 
Okay, we spent a lot of time on that, but I wanted to share that with you because that's kind of where I got to, um, and I'm getting help from my friends. So I'm getting help from Unix Carbide, who is a software guy. Um, he would say that he's a protocol guy. Um, yes, so Unix Carbide says, I do mean there's such a range and application difference that wildly affects operation what which one one could say is normal in other words it depends on what you're doing in other words it depends uh <laughs> kbonk says tap that thumb for the search for dryness you are correct uh very exciting so yeah well, we 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 talked about the multiple heater modes, and I and and I've played with it. The interesting thing is, you cannot willy nilly turn on the heater, and they give you guidelines about how much heating you should do. So again, you have to be a little careful. But uh, if you read the um, the the data sheet in the application note, you you start to get a feeling for what they're doing. So I'm going to be discussing with uh, my my code buddies here how we're going to do this what kind of procedure do we do we write and then ultimately i think we're going to end up with our own board um my friend uh, doug also has been interested in helping create a board so that's where we're heading that and that's the report on uh, on the uh the the shit 45x um also uh, the 45 comes in 45 uh um you know what? I just realized it's not the 45X, it's 4X. I made an error. I'm going to have to fix that. Uh, but it comes in the 4.0, the 4.1, et cetera, et cetera, up to the 4.5. And it's all uh, higher cost for higher accuracy. And I just went to the top and, and got the four, the 45. So we talked about the Mew Editor, which is the cool little tool for programming the Sensorian boards in CircuitPython. Easy peasy. I encourage you to play with it. Uh, the Adafruit libraries exist, and they don't give a lot of information, but they give you these code chunks and, and access to um, sending the commands. And the GitHub documentation, which we're learning about, and Unix Carbide uh, expressed some interest in teaching us a little uh, about, um, about GitHub. So we may be doing that sometime soon. Uh, let's see. And uh, Unix, if if you are if you are able and willing, you can hit your uh, request to speak button, and we could talk for a minute about GitHub before we get on to the next uh, the next exciting topic here. I don't know if you're available. If you could find the button, if you're on your phone, it might be challenging. Let's see if we could get him to do this. I got to put my headphones on for this. Okay. Can you hear me now? Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Welcome aboard, oh, sir. Okay. You're, you're live. Oh, wonderful. Cool. Brooklyn, cool, New cool. York. Hello. Yeah. Hello from Brooklyn, New York. We're all, we're all, uh, everybody's kids got a cold now. Oh. Uh, uh, let me see the, what is it? GitHub. Yeah. I would be yeah. super into that. Um, some like, uh, quick, not quick. It's nothing's quick. Um, but a not 
committing your whole life or afternoon to it kind of a, <laughs> a, a, a session would be fun. Um, Git, the program, uh, was written by Linus Torvalds, and it's just a source code control system. Um, and this allows many people to work on the same code base with basically without breaking it. Um, that promise has failed in the universe. Like the, the idea that many people can work on something and not break it. So close. Not real. Not real. The, um, uh, the, that spawned a hosted website because you got to put the code somewhere for everybody to collaborate uh, called GitHub, which provides free uh, hosting to individuals with open source public things that they want to share with the world and makes their money charging companies to host their stuff there. That's that. Um, so they're kind of less like lingua franca of like online open repositories of stuff. So, so repos, all kinds of cool projects that we touch are in repos. And I'd love to show people how to navigate them if you've never before, because it's so, sloppy. So define repos for the noobs. Repo, a repository, like a code repository. Some Excellent. computer somewhere that everyone can reach over the internet where you can put changes and get changes. A repository. So uh, you and I spent a few minutes and we found the Adafruit GitHub's uh, uh, site for the sensor. Yeah. And then we, we found a whole bunch extra goodies that yeah. are not obvious. All the source code is there. Yep. And then you can read the source code. If you don't understand it, you can look it up and figure it out. Or if you do understand it, uh well i don't care i don't know if you if you want to know how to do something far enough you'll figure out how to use it so uh, the big thing for me was you you know in this code and i'm just going to show it again here uh in this code it says import you know right at the top of the code it says import time import board import adafruit sht4x that's all um chunks of code that's already been written that you're you're bringing yes. in to your code yes and you you and um, i the big the big thing i had was how do i know what's the specifications for those where they're those called go. modules they're called modules libraries libraries I, that that code's written in python and those are python libraries so so um, unix and i went on the search for the github repository for that library and we found it and then in that we found the goodies that they don't really talk about that adafruit doesn't really talk about that's where we found the yeah. heater control yeah and and then that on top of the data sheet and voila we were given the keys to the heater yeah so that's that was pretty cool i i thought that was pretty yeah. neat it almost yeah. it, it almost made me uh, respect software. <laughs> I've been doing that. I've been working with it for twenty five years, and I haven't come to respect it yet either. In particular, the code that I write. <laughs> well, seeing as we're uh, talking with it right now, I think we should be a little nicer. But yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, that was uh, that was pretty fantastic. So, yeah. um, are we gonna are we gonna host our little uh, our little Git? session on the discord server maybe well, i think that's a that's a totally sane and appropriate thing yeah. so uh, they, if you're if you're watching this and you're you want to join in on the fun uh 
go sign up for our Discord server. Links in the links page at pfg.gg slash links. Right up top, there's a, a, a Discord invite. If you have any trouble, send me a message. Uh, and then sometime in the future, maybe a couple of weeks from now, when, when the dust settles, uh, we'll set up a little session and uh, Unix can can teach us about uh, the world of the Git. Yeah, absolutely. And if okay. there's specific things people have done that they're like, I never knew why they put this here or why why do I do this? Uh, ask in advance so I can look it up. And Yeah, we, we have a that. section on the Discord server called microcontroller hacking. And I ah. think uh, all the traffic that these comments will generate if you if you join our Discord server, you could put your questions in that uh, in that particular thread. Microcontroller hyphen hacking. By the way, uh, the term hacking. This is an appropriate use of the term hacking. Uh, the term hacking always meant to code quickly, usually without comments. So it's not a. It doesn't have a negative connotation. Um, I always, I always, there's many, 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 like any good legend, uh, I always heard that it was also a, uh, what was it? The hacker was the dude with the ax who could do anything. I'll that take was it. the, you know, like an old English term of like, oh, get the hacker. We got a thing. We can't figure out how to solve it. <laughs> you can only solve it with an ax. That's what I say. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks for checking in. Um, we will uh, yeah. pick up with you another day. All right, cool. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, bud. Okay. Video off, audio off. That that was successful. So uh, again, just join in on the on the Discord server and keep an eye out, and we'll do that little lesson from uh, Unix Carbide at some point in the next several weeks. Um, let's jump ahead to. Um, we covered a lot. So I have a, um, oh, uh, so Tuck's Garage uh, is here, and uh, Tuck, Tuck's brother, Tuck, if you wanted to join in on the fun, you're welcome to, to hit the button. Um, Tuck's brother sent me a chunk of ruby stone, um, and this came from, <laughs> I believe this came from eBay, okay, and it's marked how appropriately it's marked experimental for flatness sake. So obviously uh, Tuck's brother has the same uh, sense of humor as he does. Uh, and he asked me if I can grind this flat for him because they're hacking around and doing some experiments. So I am going to be doing that. But if you go to eBay, and this is not an endorsement because I have no idea what we're dealing with here. Uh, there, there are these ruby stones. And they're very, very uh, dense. Uh, unlike, unlike the material I use to make PFG stones, they, there's no um, space between the grains. It's super dense, which could be interesting for very, very sharp knives. Uh, almost asks, is it a wet stone? Uh, it has no porosity, so I don't think wet matters. Um, so... Anyway, they exist. I have no comments on it except to say that it is definitely very dense. It's very heavy, uh, and it's allegedly ruby. Now, uh, they call it a ruby stone, and I think almost is is actually uh, 
predicting what I'm about to say. If you look up ruby, ruby is an aluminum oxide. So it turns out that ruby is an aluminum oxide that has a, uh, a pinch of uh, chromium. So it's, you know, don't get super whipped up about it, but it is interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a, a wheel to that at some point. Um, okay. I have a problem and I need help. <laughs> Most of you would say that is not a surprise. Um, I, my sister is a marine biologist, uh, a professor of marine biology, actually a professor of biology and has a, has a, a little thing here. It's a spoon. Let's see. got to fool my camera. It's a little perforated spoon and it broke. Now I have determined that this is stainless steel. Um, and I need to figure out how to put this back together. And I think I'm saying weld it back together because that is my plan. But let me see if I can get you a picture of this thing. Yeah. The spoon, the, the, uh, the scoopy bit of the spoon. There you go. The scoopy bit of the stone is 18 thousandths of an inch thick. And the diameter of the little handle part is 75 thousandths of an inch thick. So now the question is, how do I set this up for a weld? And <laughs> K. Bonk says, stay bright, 45. Yeah, it, it, it's a definite candidate for soldering i know that and i'm not i'm not uh, disputing that uh almost says machine a fixture in copper for tig welding that's closer to where i'm heading and i'm guessing that i can't i can't hit this 18,000th thick thing very hard or it's going to just vanish uh i've had that experience um yeah, I'm not really sure. And if you look at the picture up on the screen, you'll note that the the handle part actually has a crack in it. And I haven't explored that yet. But clearly, I'm going to yank on that thing and see how it breaks. Um, so, yeah, Precisely and Precise says, if that's what you're talking about, it's got solder on it, be sure you get all the solder off first. Uh, I am going to be... Uh, hitting it with a very fine file under the microscope and I'll see if it's in fact solder. Uh, Tuck's Garage says, uh, what environment will it be living in? Temperature, chemicals? So I don't think it's going to be high temperatures and it's I think it has to, has to withstand chemicals. So that's why I think it's got to be uh, stainless. Um, CJ Stevens says Saunders knows him. I don't know what that means, but Um, if you do solder it back together, use a boron filled flux. Oh, here we go. Okay. Precisely. You now owe me a link <laughs> to some boron flux. That's interesting. I never heard of that before. Almost says if it's braised, 
Rebraze, but still make a fixture. The handle will act like a filler rod. Interesting. Oh, Roy. Yeah, I know. I know Crummy. Um, I know uh, Roy Crumrine. I didn't see. I didn't see the suggestion pop up. But Roy would be exactly the right guy uh, to talk to. He's actually my my teacher because I took a course with him. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I should call Roy. Uh, hey, Roy, if you're listening, you know, uh, at me, at me, bro. Uh, I will find out. But that's it's a really interesting problem, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how many years this thing has been sitting uh, sitting on my desk. K-Bonk says, Robin used a ceramic soldering block once. Interesting. Well, I think I'm going to uh, continue investigating. I'm going to file this down. I'm going to figure out if this was a braze job or a weld job, and then we'll get it done. But I, I put a magnet to everything. It's all non-magnetic, which tells me it's 300 series stainless, uh, probably 316, which is probably because of the chemical resistance, and, and we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, stay tuned, and thanks. Uh, being able to weld slash braze teeny things is actually of interest to me, so uh, I'd like to make it happen. And I don't know what I'm doing which gives me several advantages. Uh, okay, we're, we are at the top of the hour. If you guys have any last-minute questions, uh, get them out there. Oh, I do have one other topic, um, really brief. One of our guys who is not, at least he hasn't made himself uh, evident, uh, asked me uh, if I want to talk antennas. As you know, when I'm wearing my other hat, I'm an antenna guy. So the answer is yes. So if anybody's interested in joining in on that conversation, uh, I would also recommend joining the Discord server. Uh, and we do have a section for antennas. And I will run a little session there and we'll do a Q&A, AMA, DNA on antennas as you wish. Uh, I'm happy to happy to answer any questions at all. That's what I do, uh, you know, during the day, <laughs> during the day, during the week. Um, uh, Hey, machine NZ, you're still sticking in here. Does that mean you're not going to work? We need to know. Uh, okay. I think we're going to wrap it here, guys. You're awesome. Oh, we got a question. If you do solder it back together, use a boron filled flux core Corderite soldering pads are great. Smooth and fabricator flat. Corderite. I'm going to have to look that up. Of course, <laughs> you know, anything that comes in not flat is going to become flat. So don't worry about that. Uh, precisely and precise is still typing. Oh, <laughs> precisely says he's a recovering jeweler. That's awesome. CJ Stevens, you have a great week too, sir. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody uh, who's here. I don't know if I can capture everybody. Uh, Warren Jones, precisely imprecise, Unix Carbide, Machine NZ, Tux Garage, who helped me a lot on some technical debugging. I appreciate it. Uh, CJ Stevens, K-Bonk, Almost Machining, 
Carl and everybody else, thank you so much for being here. I hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a to do list. After the stream is off, I will be in the after party roundtable voice chat on our Discord server. If you need flat stones, go to pfgstones.com and I will be happy to help you. Uh, what else? If you have not subscribed on YouTube, even though you're a podcast listener, please subscribe on YouTube. And we're coming up on 1,000 subscribers and I want to crush it. Thanks, Carl. And remember, get flat, stay flat. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.